0: So it might be 40 minutes doing an upper body piece, a lower body piece, a midline piece, and 40 minutes of that at you know different movements, tempos, and time and attention, subscribe to all of them, and then I'm out the door for a 5K. And I come right back in another 40 minutes, out the door again for a 5K.
1: Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is Stuart Brouwer. Stuart was the owner of Urban Movement, a gym in Charlotte, North Carolina. He created a gym mentorship company focused on helping micro gym owners succeed in the fitness industry called What the Fuck Gym Talk. And I love the fact that I get to curse in the intro because it is perfectly appropriate for the man that I am interviewing today. And through a bunch of Stuart's success, he has allowed himself the free time to focus on his fitness more now, probably than ever before in his life. And because of that has taken this unique belief in fitness around tempo training. We talk about how tempo training or slowing down in general is underutilized in the fitness space and how he has been utilizing that training himself to kind of test out some of his own theories. We talk about Stewart's new goals around fitness, such as running a marathon and so much more. This one was a ton of fun for me. I know you'll find it entertaining. Enjoy. Hey everyone, real quick before we dive into the episode, you probably heard about this podcast directly from someone else or saw it shared on social media. We can only grow, spread our message further, and keep bringing in awesome and amazing guests with your help. If you could take five seconds and hop on whatever podcast platform you're using and leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. On to the show. Stu, welcome to the show. What's up, brother? How dude, are you? Dude, we are jumping through every hoop possible this morning. It's been ridiculous.
0: <laughs> are you rocking,
1: are you rocking my boy's shirt? I am, yeah.
0: You got a little Shenandoah fit. fit going on. I do, rider? I
1: do. Yeah. I saw nice. him I saw him wearing it. I was like, yo, that's a dope shirt. I need to get me one yeah. of those. So yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. He's a good dude. He, he's my first,
1: first person
0: to ever pay me money for consulting in like 20, oh fuck, 2015, maybe.
1: Oh, um, like, wow. He's a good dude. He's yeah, good, it was yeah, funny I when like I saw I saw your guest note speak, um, when you were guest note speaking, and I realized that you helped him kind of do all of his social media stuff because you were highlighting some of his work. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Shenandoah fit. And honestly, I'll be honest, I can't even take credit for all that. That was Sean.
0: Uh, me and Sean worked so, together so early on in his business. And then he just did a re- – I think he just did a great job on his own developing – an aesthetic and a style and uh you know uh yeah, so I don't even want to take credit for the good work he's done. I, I still use his photos. Like at every keynote I give, if I'm giving social media examples, I probably am referencing Shannon Dolas Fitz photography.
1: Oh uh, dude, it's it's funny how things come full circle because I I don't even know if you remember this, but like I had worked with you years yeah, ago. Oh, Pro- I do. Probably like five I do. or six years ago. Yeah, Mark when we
0: Madero, one of my members, he would drop into your you know, do you remember a guy named Mark Madera?
1: Oh yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. What's his is he the tin man online? Yes, he's yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like the ultimate Dude. Dave Matthews fan. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. He's such a fan of you, but like every you know, he's a member at Urban Movement back in the day. And I was oh, like yeah, that's look, I, I know Derek. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, I think people, there's so much content out there on you um, and people can find out a lot about what you do and what background you come from. But I do want to, since we're going to dive heavily into the the tempo conversation, I really want to at least kind of couch that conversation in some of your background because I feel it's pertinent to the conversation. So can you provide the audience a little bit of a background of like who you are, what you do?
0: Yeah, the guys. The majority of the stuff you find on me is business-based stuff. I got into the fitness industry over 17 years ago. Um, I went to college for exercise physiology. I found CrossFit in 2005, 2006, and I kind of went. I went down that route. Did the business thing with Globo Gyms for a while to learn the business side of fitness. Open up my own thing. Um, we I own a CrossFit gym. It did. We did very well at it. Um, I rebranded it. I broke it. I moved it. I used the money I had made as a CrossFit gym to purchase commercial real estate. I started a new brand, and the new brand had a unique belief in fitness. I no longer aligned myself with what I had been doing CrossFit-wise. And I don't blame CrossFit. I don't blame anything else but me. It's just how I've been doing CrossFit. And I feel it was very similar to how a lot of people are still doing it today, but I just no longer align myself with it. It's what I call a unique belief in fitness. And I never, I did not have that UBF anymore. So we designed our own over the course of years. It's called Tempo Training, created a group model out of it. Um, We did, we had a lot of fun with that. We did a great job with that. And I just uh, owning the building gave me an opportunity in 2021. Someone came through and offered me a stupid amount of money to lease my building out on a 10 year lease and allow me to effectively quote unquote retire from owning a gym. So um, yes, most of the stuff you find on me is business based. Um, As a retired gym owner, I still do consulting, but I've honestly I I I don't do a lot of shit. Like I'm I'm truly enjoying this quote unquote retired life. I've been working out more in the since it's coming up on a year like October was when I shut everything down and I, I accepted that lease in my building. Um, but I've really gone deep into what I call this version of tempo training. And I'm actually now doing a version. I signed, signing up for the Chicago marathon.
1: I oh, hate phenomenal.
0: running. Bro, I fucking <laughs> hate. Run. I don't know if I can swear. I, I don't r- care. I hate, yeah. Do okay. your thing, man. I, I hate running uh, my business partner, uh, on the real estate side, he passed away and we had always planned to go to Chicago. And so I've thought, how can I do something I do not want to do? Something I'm going to have to train very uniquely for. I've never trained for any endurance to me is a five K and my tempo training workouts are very long duration because obviously if you're lifting with tempo, uh, you know, for all the, for every rep, it's, you know, your workouts are going to take longer. So now I'm incorporating long duration endurance in it. I've got uh, booking calls with Chris Henshaw. I'm working with some endurance coaches down here. Um, I'm going to go to a RunRx clinic. Like, I'm going to really deep dive because I think I could hold a – I mean I, most of us can. We could hold a conversation in terms of resistance training um, and energy systems training with anyone I feel comfortable discussing it with anybody. I can't even have a juvenile conversation about running technique.
1: That's, Not even you a know, juvenile one. it's funny you say that. Cause like it's conceptually, like I feel very confident in talking about like aerobic capacity and all the bells and whistles inside of that. But yeah, when you get into like the actual biomechanics of, of like running and pacing and those sort of yeah. things, like that's a whole different conversation.
0: But I, I'm like, i think I have a hypothesis that my tempo training, my tempo training workouts are anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. Traditionally, and then I started playing around with these longer distance ones when I, the idea of doing a marathon popped my head. So now my average tempo training workout is around two hours long. So it might be 40 minutes doing an upper body piece, a lower body piece, a midline piece, and 40 minutes of that at, you know, different movements, tempos, and time under tension, subscribe to all of them, and then I'm out the door for a 5K. And I come right back in another 40 minutes out the door again for a 5k and I'm going to start tweaking that and talking to people that are way smarter in the realm of endurance training how can I continue to keep this I've got some philosophies about this but incorporate these longer distance efforts and um, who knows it might blow up my face and they might be like you know dude you're not gonna be you're gonna die when you go to You know, Chicago to run this marathon if you do this. But I'm going to give it a try and see if I can't mess around and incorporate my tempo training with these, you know, extremely much significantly longer endurance efforts.
1: Yeah, I would say this like, while you may not reach the pinnacle of what's possible for you as a runner, I can guarantee you this your tempo training will act as a preventative measure from you getting injured from this pursuit. I agree. And really, where it's interesting is, especially when I put together some of these like
0: monster sets. So if I do, let's say I go ahead and I do a set of 15, um, let's say a set of 15, uh, push press. And so we had a lighter load and we're going to do a, a four second hold overhead and a four second descent. So eight reps, times 15. I mean that the muscular endurance that I've developed in doing tempo training compared to what I had before is absolutely insane. Like even when I do pull-ups, not like I don't come off the bar at, at nearly ever, like my muscular endurance is extremely high and my heartbeat, my heart rate is right around this, like, 145 to 150-ish range. And I follow the Maffetone method. You know, really famous endurance coach, um, uh, you know, Doc Maffetone, essentially, I think he had a PhD, he would essentially came up with your max aerobic heart rate. So we all know our max heart rate, 220 minus our age, is, like, the kind of, you know, number that we all throw on. This is more around 180 minus your age. And then you go ahead and you try to exist in this, like, aerobic max pace. And, you know, I started around 145 and now I can kind of push into the 153s um, and sustain that for a very, very long time. But that's kind of where I start seeing my heart rate go when I'm doing these longer tempo training sets and I get, you know, so I'm curious, will that transfer over? Will there be carry over there? So yeah, so the next year between now and next, the, the first weekend in October next year for the Chicago Marathon will be a, will be a fun little train journey.
1: Yeah. And the beauty of it too, is like, you don't have to, you know, whittle down to a, a buck 25 five and lose all your muscle mass in order to be oh, able yeah. to perform this run.
0: Oh hundred percent. Yeah. No, I'm so I I right around like two oh five right now and I don't care my weights at. Um I, I get Dexa scans every six to eight weeks just out of curiosity. Um but uh yeah I'm kind of curious like how you know how will this fare from a size like I've never put I'm never gonna run this much. So I'm doing a five K in three weeks. Like a like the Charlotte Marathon has a five K. I'm gonna go do the five K there. Yep. Then a 10K then I'll do a half, and then I'll lead into the marathon next year.
1: Very nice. Yeah, so I actually indirectly – came to the realization that you're doing some sort of running base because I actually occasionally would do your respect the tempo training. And I was like, what the fuck, (laughs) like run three miles in between these efforts. Like I totally buy into the idea of like these one hour, 90 minute, two hour kind Mm -hmm. of like nonstop workouts. I mean, as a soon to be dad myself and and your father yourself, like congrats, congrats, yeah, thanks man. Like we, we, you know, appreciate the fact that like you need to make the most of your time. Right, yes. and as business owners, this is true as well. And so. Uh, so it's like this is one of the best ways to keep you non-distracted, you know, hyper-focused and on the move. And I think people don't appreciate how hard it is to both keep your heart rate at that like one forty-five, one fifty-five, you know, um, using that formula you were talking about um, for a long sustained period of time. And then, oh, by the way, you're maintaining like your muscular stamina and endurance as part of that process.
0: Yeah. I, and so I've had a lot of people ask me, like, are you going to, you so what is this? Are you going to eventually Excel programming?" I'm like, no, like nobody <laughs> from a business perspective, uh, selling two hour long workouts isn't the most marketable thing in the world. Remember seal fit, when yes. seal fit hit the scene? That was, there was a moment in time where that like I had buddies who are huge enduro athletes and they love seal fit workouts. Cause you were out there for like three hours. Like you were not, it was a long fucking day for you. Um, this is definitely not like for people like, dude, I'm super busy. I'm like, I, if you like the idea of the workout, just dial it back. Like take the time domain down and you'll have to reduce some of the time under tension, the reps, like figure it out. But I, I'm fortunate right now I don't have a time constraint. I can literally leave the house for four hours and go do this and experiment with it. And I just, I, I, I backed off on fitness so much. I just did the bare minimum just to maintain. I'm an ectomorph. I, I'm not going to get obese if I, you know, take, you know, when I owned a gym and I went six, seven years of kind of just maintaining fitness, not yeah. really pursuing it. Um, So now this has just been kind of my fun, like jump back into fitness, fall back in love with it, play around, experiment with it. Cause I truly am a coach at, at the most intrinsic state. That's, that's what I started off in this industry. I, You know, this whole business guy thing evolved, but um, I, I, lo- I love it. I'm like, I love going and having to learn something right now. Like having to learn like you said the biomechanics of
1: running. Yeah, so funny quick story about Seal Fit. Um this was so we actually funny enough w- the gym turns 11 today. So, oh, congr- oh dude, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. man, it's been it's an it's going to be an exciting day. But um so we had this was probably like 9 years ago, we had a member that wanted to get into special forces and he was doing training uh, to look, you know, to, to look the part and be able to perform the part. And he was paying attention to seal fit. And he came in one day and he's like, Hey, like we should do the seal fit work. I was like, what is it? He's like, it's a hundred rope climbs for time. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> not <laughs> like, <a chance. laughs> like Jane doesn't need to be doing a hundred no, rope climbs um, for time. No. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, yeah. so uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up, um, I think will be a good segue from what you were just talking about is like, you've always been really good about being able to remove the emotion from your decision making around business and fitness. Um, but I would be willing to bet. And based on what you just said that you do to some degree, miss the coaching aspect. And I think, uh, do you think that that's kind of led you into this whole respect the tempo side of things where you may not necessarily be like, you know, packaging this up as a product you eventually want to sell, but this is your way of kind of like getting your feet back into that game.
0: I, I think it was more um, – what I found uh, over time is I, I truly – one thing I am, if I'm I'm, I'm definitely a coach, uh, whether it's business or fitness or whatever, I'm definitely a content creator too. I like – I just like documenting my process. I like sharing it. I don't care if my mom is the only one who clicks like on it. I have zero – like once I hit publish and upload, I give zero fucks what anyone thinks of it after that. I've never cared. So I, I truly enjoy that. And But this was the thing, like me documenting this and sharing it. I, there's no stress on it. Like I could go two weeks and not publish anything and it wouldn't matter. There's no business model behind it. Unlike WTF and you know, the, the gym real estate company. Um, so I think it was mainly that, but yeah, like, uh, a good, uh, a colleague of mine, he does all my like bespoke custom suits and jackets and all that. He, uh, he's, he's, like, man, I've been trying to follow these, whatever. I'm like, you got a fitness center up in your gym, but like because he owns a suite where his, uh, his, studio is. So he gets people fitted for these suits. I was like, dude, I'll just meet you up there at 6 a.m. I would love nothing more but to go train somebody. I haven't trained somebody in so (laughs) long. So I just met my buddy up there and I started putting him through some tempo stuff and I showed him here. Listen, you're going to pick up, pick one of these movements for upper body, pick one for lower, pick one for midline, add a conditioning piece. I recommend your time under tensions or start here. And over the course of period, they climb up to this and now he can kind of, you know, he can make his own recipes, you know, using
1: a couple of ingredients that I threw at him. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Well, you know, you've, you've always, you know, spoken very, um, you, you spoken like highly of Greg Glassman of the CrossFit methodology, but I, I would make the argument that tempo training is probably one of the most neglected areas within CrossFit, just because there is this need for speed. Um, element. And I, I, while I don't think that there's necessarily something wrong with the methodology, I do believe that there is something that can be fixed and changed and evolved with the application of it. Um, can, you've, you've spent a lot of time in different CrossFit gyms and traveling the country and whatnot. You know, can you speak to that a little bit?
0: Yeah. I mean, Glassman's not wrong. Power equals force times distance over time. So you, if you throw tempo in as high as I am right now, that time factor is now going to reduce your power output. And for ultimate fitness, when you're testing it in the definition of testing someone's work capacity across these broad time modal domains, I do believe you got to be pretty good at creating high power outputs. However, at the same time, I, I, and this is just me personally. and I've ran this against Scott like I've talked to uh, on other podcasts. I've talked to people and said, "Why doesn't the CrossFit Games put more tempo into some of the stuff?" And there was one event. It was an L sit hold. I, I remember like that. Yeah, I don't know, like 2012 or it's something. The same like year that, with maybe. the ball throw. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that was cool," but I haven't seen anything since that. Like, I would love to see like 30 muscle ups for time, but where you've got to, you know, uh, you have to hang out at the top of the dip. For five seconds, and then you got to come back down in five seconds. Like, how long would that take Josh Bridges to do? Like, now, does that get boring? Maybe, but what's not boring is watching high level athletes fail at the margins of their experience, and they would all fucking fail at the margin of that experience. For sure. So that's where I get interested. Like, I've, you know, we haven't uploaded some of the videos, but we've, I've shot like a tempo Fran and we recorded a tempo Fran. And like, oh my God, this is so much harder than once you've done Fran enough and you've hit that pain threshold and you've gone sub five and you, you know, whatever it is. Okay. Can you do it now with this tempo? And then it jacks, it messes you up in a completely different way. It just shows you like, Oh man, I've got this fast twitch speed, you know, type one thing going on. But I, man, if I have to hold the bottom of this front squat and the thruster for three seconds, each rep, I get destroyed. And um, yeah, I just, I just think there's something unique there. I don't, I don't know why more people are not, playing with it I think it's because it's hard yeah I CrossFit
1: was, yeah I think I think that people lean into novelty and intensity and they get that from CrossFit um but then there's that you know you, you spoke of um you spoke of why you know this like why the CrossFit methodology kind of leans into more of like the Olympic lifting and the power lifting and the speed factor of things. And it's like there, once you weigh in like opportunity cost and, and risk to reward, you start to realize that there's this kind of fourth dimension, which is that you, while we're, while it's important when you're testing these things to help determine your power output and your work capacity, it's also important that you're able to do this for the long haul. And like, that's where the supplementation of tempo training can really be impactful
0: hundred percent in it, but it's also one of those like OPEX. Um, I, I went and did my OPEX CCP way back in like 2013, 2014. And I remember one of their, one of their main baseline tests was like, it was a hundred rep goblet squats, do- heavy dumbbell goblets, got a hundred reps, I believe and it was, but it was at a set tempo. Oh, wow. And they I mean, but like, there's no safer way you load the spine, you're upright, you know, like whatever, you've got to also have some, you know, scapular strength there by holding that dumbbell up. But the tempo was there. And um, that was kind of one of their prereqs before they would even like have you do any like one, you know, any heavy back squat type stuff. I just, we went fast first. We should have gone slow first and then go fast. And I think there wouldn't be as much stuff for me to make fun of on the internet. You know, <laughs> yeah, Well,
1: of I mean, listen, I love the fact that you have just like a whole assortment of things that you can pick on, but like, I always equate it to like, I came from a, a background with some, some Muay Thai and Jitsu and stuff. Yeah. And I always equate it to like, you never bring someone in for the first time and just be like, swing as hard and as fast as you can on the bag, yeah. right? You look ridiculous. So everything gets slowed down and then you earn speed. And I think it should be the same way in, in CrossFit gyms. And the thing I love about incorporating more tempo is that it gives people feedback in real time that they can actually do something with. Like for instance, if you're doing thrusters at max speed you don't know anything other than that was difficult and it hurt a lot. And then when you're done and I go, hey, like you had some valgus knee there. Let's really work on pushing the knees out. It's like it's hard to interpret what was going wrong in the middle of that because all you were doing was thinking I need to go as fast as I can. Whereas yeah. if the minute I slow you down and you feel that full eccentric range of motion, the full concentric range of motion, and the stabilizers necessary to help you throughout that whole process, and then let alone if we had a pause you know, or a break in there, it's like you are now able to get feedback in the moment.
0: Yeah, no, you're a thousand percent. I I was talking with uh, Jason Kalipa, former CrossFit Games athlete, and he was talking, me and him, I think it was before we hit record on something, we were just talking about each other's training, and he's like, man, I've really just been enjoying, like, I'm slowing down, not doing your tempo stuff, but I'm really just, like, focusing on, like, feeling my tricep lock that thing out, or I'm really focusing on, like, at the mind-muscle connection, and to me, it's an athlete who's just at an insane high-level, like, Jason Kalipa. I'm like, that's never been a thing you've had, buddy. You've never like really dialed that in prior, but no, because in the sport of CrossFit, he would have been punished, you know, from a sport perspective to do that. You don't feel the movement. You, you do use every muscle, every hip thrust, every bit of your core, anything you can to lock that thing out and make the rep happen by a judging standard and then move on immediately to the next thing. You don't take time to have a mind muscle connection in CrossFit at a, at a sport level.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I think this is why guys like Marcus Philly are so good at being able to stay healthy and still be able to do all the fun party tricks, the walking on their hands and snatches and those sort of things. And it's yeah. because they're able to develop this like really strong mind muscle connection, not just with their larger regional muscles, but some of these like smaller secondary and tertiary movers where when you're doing all of this accessory work, especially at tempo, like you're able to have that connection where if you say, you know, squeeze your posterior delt, like there are people that can Cannot even make that connection with no weight, just standing around. Correct. And it, it also, too, it's like we we all walked into CrossFit gyms to look better naked. Nobody,
0: very few, ever walked in chasing a performance stat or a metric necessarily. Some did. There's definitely stories out there of that, but not but not the many, not the ones that make us that make the CrossFit affiliates in those gyms their money, mm-hmm. um, and not the ones that are going to help the you know 36 percent of us that are obese. But it's like we, but then you know they all walked in just wanting to look better naked, and then within a very quick period of time, they all wanted this level of performance. Like I, I watch kids practice handstand walks fall on their face. I mean, do this for 30 minutes at the end of a workout, like practice a handstand walk. They can't even like barely hold a handstand up against the wall for 30 seconds, but you jump seven steps because this is a thing that might be in a competition next weekend at a gym. Nobody has ever heard of against 36 other people that nobody cares about. It's, it's tough, man. Um, but hey, listen, to to each their own. And that's like guys like Marcus, I think, are amazing. They're like exposing um, or shining light on the opportunity to do the things that make you look better naked. Snatching has never made anyone look better naked. Adding five pounds to your back squat has never made anyone look better naked. It's a There's far more to it than this. The pinnacle performance point you're chasing will not translate to the mirror. I, and, and that's typical. Now, other ones, being able to do 10 pull-ups in a row, that you probably have to look better naked for, because when there's less of you, the pull, you know, pull-ups are made in the kitchen, kids. Like, um, for the mo- for a lot of it, it's just it's one of those things. But I, I think more people are looking at aesthetics more than we were before. Because I don't know about you, I mean, you've been doing it so years now. CrossFit clients of yours that like were there forever, trained religiously, four to five days a week, didn't necessarily physically look any better. They were certainly fitter humans aesthetically not too much had changed for some of those people.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's on a metabolic level. Anyone that does CrossFit, you know, three plus days a week is clearly going to be a healthier individual, but I agree with yes. you from an aesthetic front. There's a lot of other things that need to take place in order to move the needle effectively in that. I agree in that domain.
0: And, yeah. Cause once yeah. we get to, you know, that health wellness or the sickness wellness continuum, yep. there is one. Once you get to wellness, there's another one. It's, I believe it's aesthetic. It's like, cause once I get healthy, cool. I'm healthy. My doc is happy with me, whatever. Now the metric is, well, am I, do I like the way the shirt fits on me? Do I like, do I still feel so like socially comfortable taking my shirt off at the pool? Cause I, there's a lot of clients I had that were well, great biometric markers, like, you know, awesome, but they still weren't comfortable in the way they looked because wellness doesn't have a, a look. Right. So there's not like a, Oh, you're well, you unwellness no. has a look a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But being really well, there's people that are still like, yeah, but it's not, it's not, I'm not still not there yet. And then I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with going to aesthetics. I think bodybuilding put a bad name on it early in the day, but I think we all know now that there's obviously, you don't have to do it like that to look good naked. Um, But yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's worth, you know,
1: we can now have an honest conversation about it. And, you know, to your point about people trying to do things in the gym that they're just not prepared to be able to do, like we, we use level method and I don't know how much you know about it, but basically Uh, Nathan a huge fan of Nathan. Fantastic. Yeah. So we, we do some of their video work, Nathan and I have been boys for a while. So, um, I absolutely love it and we're going to keep it going in, in our facility. And like, what I love about it most is that it just establishes prerequisites that are required of people before they can move up yep. the ladder. So it's like listen, if you want to snatch, that's an admirable goal. Like I come from a weightlifting background. Fantastic. But you're not doing it if you can't do a kettlebell swing, right? Yep. So we we love the fact that it just like self-limits people and people have they grow in their appreciation for being able to prove it first before advancing.
0: Yeah. What like one thing I've done, I've uh, I honestly have not touched barbells a ton. Since I started doing like my, my tempo training in October, mainly because I had always touched a barbell for like 17 years. All I did was really touch barbells, like barbells, probably 87% of my shit. And then dumbbells filled in, you know, kettlebells were the rest. Um, Like snatching now for me, I love the snatch. I, I, it's not a full snatch like receiving in the bottom of squat, but it's with dumbbells. And the amount of like me grabbing two 70 pound dumbbells and doing a double arm from the floor dumbbell snatch right over a double is way harder than me snatching 175 pounds on a barbell. So 140 pounds total in dumbbells versus it's the unilateral, the lockout, and just having to be kinesthetically aware. Like I found myself doing it in front of the glass door at a certain time of the day so I can see myself because there's this, I know that I've got one side's getting up there a little faster than the other. I can feel it. I want to be able to aesthetically see that. Having a mirror, that's another thing too, is if you ever, like I was just uh, in D.C., and uh, I ended up training at this globo gym up there, and there was a mirror. You know, I never trained in front of a mirror. But it's nice, especially if you're ever doing anything that's unilateral, and at the same time, you know, dumbbell in each hand, doing whatever movement. It's so funny to be like, holy fuck, my upper trap on my left side totally engages way earlier than it should. But it, sometimes you're not kinesthetically aware of that happening in the middle of a workout.
1: Yeah, and it's just, it's far greater in its ability to give you feedback when you're do, moving at tempo as well. You know, oh, yeah. like if you're performing a snatch of like with a barbell, the last thing you want to do is be staring at yourself <laughs> like a an mirror. idiot yes. <laughs> in a mirror. Like <laughs> yes. that's, that's awful. Right. But, yep. um, yeah. So funny enough, I actually have experienced the same thing in terms of being able to start playing with some new implements and working more unilaterally. And what I have found for me personally is just like the minute that I gave up the whole athlete pursuit and I went more of like the fitness enthusiast with the the focus around aesthetics and longevity, I started to think a a lot more heavily about how different implements and movements and exercise selection made me feel during and after. And I found that the barbell, you know, can hide some compensations. And usually that means that the wrong muscle groups are kicking on or you're not in the most optimal of positions. So whereas a dumbbell can be self-limiting because if your left is weaker than your right, you just physically won't be able to do it. The, The same is not true when you're moving with a barbell in like a closed circuit.
0: A hundred percent. One of the first times I ever did a workout in this new gym I went to, uh, they were doing barbell snatches at 95 pounds. I went and just grabbed a pair of fifties and I did dumbbell snatches, right? We were both doing them from the hang position. They were doing power snatches. Same thing with me. Um, The kid came over to me afterwards. He goes, did you, are you injured? I'm like, no, what's up, man? He's like, you just, you weren't using the barbell. I was like, yeah, yeah. I just, I've been. It did that for you know over you know over a decade using the barbell. I'm you know just messed around the dumbbells and actually it's a lot harder. He goes, It's harder. I'm like, well, yeah, what'd you use? 95 pounds? Yeah. And so I went over and just grabbed a pair of 40. So I'm like, this is just 80 pounds. Knock out the 21 reps. I saw you do 21 reps unbroken with that 95 pound barbell. Look good, dude. Go 21 here. He got into like rep nine, was like, bro, and sat him down. He's like, <laughs> he's like, that is so much harder. I was like, I, I know that that's like that that's something I think people don't like. And I this is something that's interesting with CrossFit. Everyone walks in the CrossFit. And it's very hard, and they accept that, and they like the hard, and they like the challenge. But I feel like once they've kind of figured out and they get into it, and they can do the majority of things, they're like, dude, don't, don't. Don't give me any more of your hardship. I've done enough. I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to become a freshman again. I'm like, I'm up here. I'm at the top of the class. I'm one of the top fitter guys. I don't want you throwing your dumbbell, double arm, dumbbell snatches and tempo pull-ups at me that are now going to knock me back down to being a, a freshman again. Yeah. And I, cause I get a lot of that. I'm like, does this make sense? They're like, yeah. I'm like, why would you incorporate any of this into your training to like, no, man, I'm kind of here. I'm just going to stick with this stuff. I would rather add more weight to my snatch than go back down and wait and do double arm dumbbell snatches. Sure. And
1: I, 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 yeah, I was gonna say, I think that's unfortunately a big preventative reason why a lot of CrossFit gym owners don't want to go through the growing pains of changing their programming and ultimately the culture within their gyms, you know, is because you do, there is an initial reaction to like, what the heck is this? And I have just found that, like, if I want to be honest with myself as a programmer and as a leader for the for the facility, I have to be okay with it not being right for everybody. But believing the fact that, like, its involvement over two years, three years, four years, five years is going to be a better service and product for the average person in our area.
0: I agree. And I, I guess the difference, like, I watched the, uh, have you seen the Redeem team yet? The, I have. Yeah phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. So like I look at real athletes and I think I I define an athlete as someone who is compensated for their performance in a sport. Okay. That's how I define an athlete. You get paid to do the sport. You're an athlete. If you don't get paid to do it, but you run the Boston Marathon, like 99.99% of people don't get paid and they run and compete in the Boston Marathon. I'm still okay with you calling yourself an athlete. I'm okay with gym owners calling their people athletes, just kind of how I define it. But the one thing real athletes are good with breaking everything down and starting back from square one, the consumer, the commercial consumer in a fitness class, what they you can get them to do it probably once. And that's generally when they first come into your fitness program. I don't care if you're high rocks or CrossFit or Dexa or like, you know, uh, Spartan race gyms or whatever you are, MMA, you get someone to accept, okay, I suck at this. I'm going to get better, 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 better. Very few often do they want to come back down Right. But, you know, they, they're like, I climbed the hill. I like this. I'm going to keep riding this out. I need the dopamine success hits. And whereas real athletes like, no, I, I, I'm only want to do things that make me feel like I suck. Right. So like, but again, I, I don't expect Sally to have that mentality. Right. I don't expect her to do it. I understand why it's hard for a gym owner to be like, Hey guys, we are gonna start doing tempo. And everyone goes from and let's say do level method style and they're like hey listen okay so we no longer you're doing kipping butterfly pull ups unless you can do six pull ups at this tempo strict everyone's like what dude come on I finally got half I finally was able to do this thing and now you're telling me I can't do I understand not wanting to you know rock that boat but um but yeah there's there's like I obviously didn't care. I yeah. did. I upset a lot of people. No, and I've a always lot ab- of I've
1: always appreciated your brute honesty, both in in you know your gym and also your, the online space for the purposes of you know speaking to other gym owners and clients. Um, you know, there's a huge paradox that I find when it comes to simplifying movements and focusing more on the basics, which is that if they go neglected and th- something happens down the road, either you can't achieve the thing that you're looking to achieve, or you have a setback in the form of an injury. You have to go back to the basics as part of rebuilding. You know, that's the irony here, which is that if you neglect them, you'll eventually face them. Like they always come back in your face.
0: A hundred percent. And I also like, I don't have ADD. Like when it comes to working out, I don't need something new and crazy and shiny every time my workouts. Now I bet you if I cataloged it, I don't think I have yet. I'm probably doing the same 20 some movements. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. I push a sled every day. I do a ton of diagonal stuff. I joined a gym. We got the, oh, if you ever come to Charlotte, dude, I got to take you here. It's this place called Fitness Factory. Yeah. All it is is this husband and wife. They travel around. They buy up old, like, strength conditioning <laughs> gyms or collegiate places when they're, when they're revamping. They buy all the equipment at, at auction. This place is like a museum of sh- machines you've probably never seen or touched. Like, I'm a huge fan of Arsenal, which is a, a machine, like, you know, plate-loaded machines. Hammer strength has kind of owned that world, and they're yep. really boring. They haven't changed in 30 years. Arsenal is essentially like rethought the entire idea of a plate loaded machine. Like you get in it and let's just say it's like a seated, like inclined bench press, but you move this thing like it's your own. Like it feels like it's just your arms moving. It's not as restricted or they have different angles and ways to do it. You're like, they really thought about this incredible company at Tennessee. I'm uh, going out there next year. I'm, no, I'm I'll have to of-
1: check them out. That's that sounds awesome. Yeah. It sounds like they're able to incorporate a little bit more of the stabilizers with some of the machine work. Yeah, and it just
0: really unique equipment and stuff like that. But like, there anyway, this the gym I go to that has all this crazy kind of equipment now that I'm just like, man, stuff is horrible operational capacity. But man, it just like there's, <laughs> there's such great opportunity for some of this stuff to make its way back into to training. And um, and I still I, I go free weights all day over anything for for the average person. But I do believe there's a certain point when you've proven you have you know stabilizers, range of motion, you can control tempo, and you can go fast. I think then at that point for longevity some of these machines are just absolutely incredible. Like I I don't think if you're my age 37 years old putting on 275 on a bench press and you know having my my heydays like I did in high school with it is probably the smartest thing if I looked at a risk to reward right, right type scenario. It's like why am I doing a heavy bench press? I want a bigger chest. But I also have 37 year old shoulders. Maybe if I did this Arsenal strength machine instead and I could do some crazy high volume, some stuff that would not be safe uh, with with the free weights at all, but will put my body into a explosion of hypertrophy. Um, Yeah, maybe that might be a little bit better. And that's exactly what I found.
1: Yeah. And I think this is why it, it falls on the responsibility of the coach to get their clients excited for new things, but also to help them redefine their goals on a frequent basis. Because I think when people first show up at CrossFit gyms, they're not super in tune with the things that they actually want, right? Like it's not until they're there three months, six months and a year where their goals are now well refined and well, well defined to where like, you can have a real honest conversation about the risks to reward and the opportunity costs associated with different exercise selection and programming.
0: Cause they're more educated. Sure. It's that's, you know, kind of where I've been going with this, like open gym and the hybrid gym that allows 24 seven, let people come in and use the facility. Cause eventually Man, we've been educating these clients for so long. You've got clients that have been with you probably. What's your longest? What six, seven years? Maybe?
1: Well, we have people that have been with us from the beginning. The entire eleven. Yeah, entire it's thing. crazy, <laughs> bro.
0: Good, good on you, dude. Good. I love hearing that. I mean, at some point, and it has nothing to do with your coaching. It's just like, man, I'm. I've been following Nick Bar, right? He's, yep. uh He, I've been really following Nick Bar, and I, I want to get into like some long duration stuff and some some barbell work. So I'm going to follow his program for a little bit. It's not that it's an insult to you. It's just fitness is hobby unless you're paid for it as an athlete and hobbies are fickle meaning people are going to ebb and flow. I was really into Jaeger when I was 19. I'm now into rye bourbon, right? Like (laughs) I don't care what it is, your hobbies and your likes and whatever, ebb and flow. And gym owners get, you know, it it can be kind of insulting and emotional for us when someone says, I don't want your flavor of your recipe anymore. But I do. I think the more educated we keep making these people, especially like guys like you who are using things like the level method, and you're really installing a high level of education, They're eventually going to come up with their own ideas that might not correlate with your workout of the day. Because like you said, I can't make something that's perfect for everybody.
1: Sure. And I think this is where there's some nuance to figuring out how to not lose your identity as part of trying to do too much all at once, but at the same time, being able to provide different options to clientele. So like for right. instance, like we we consider ourselves a blend of a strength and conditioning facility and a CrossFit gym. And I've always labeled it as such because I want people to understand that there's a continuum that they can operate within. So we have people that are there that are pur- purely doing aesthetic work, purely there doing longevity work, purely yes. there for, for the pursuit of a specific sport. Oh, and then we have our group CrossFit. CrossFit classes, which by the way, maybe look like CrossFit one or two days a week, but look like something totally different the other days.
0: Yeah. And it's like, um, so, uh, my ex-wife, she, uh, she owned a hair salon and you know what women do when they go in, especially if they have a new stylist, they walk in, they meet their new stylist and they show them a bunch of images of on Instagram of what they want their hair to look like. And, the stylists are able to do that, and they generally actually do that in a pre-consultation type scenario. Like, hey, if you have any things you're really interested in, seeing, let me, you know, bring, send them to me before you come in for your appointment. Think about that. Like, well, let's say I just moved. Let's say I, you know, came and I and I joined the gym. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm really thinking, I'm training for the Chicago uh, Marathon, but I kind of like this tempo training stuff here. I saw this respected Tempo guy, and I saw this Nick Bear guy, and I saw this guy, and these are the kind of things I'm kind of cool, I'm like, I'm really intrigued with, Derek, and you'd be able to take that, like. Oh, dude, this is cool. I can I can work with this. I can create you a program that would satisfy all this stuff.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And so I have an i, I have an ironic story really quick about uh, the whole looking at a picture thing. So a family member of mine, a female, was showing me pictures of Khloe Kardashian. She's like, I want to look like this. And m- mind you, this is like a cardio bunny of all cardio bunnies, right? <laughs> okay. And but, I yeah. <laughs> so so I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, well, you know, she lifts, right? She's like, no, she doesn't lift weights. I looked it up. She like pulls like two eighty five, and like yeah, yeah, she actually is like moving load. And it's it's yeah. funny because like sometimes there's a separation there of like expectation, right? People look at at a, a, an image of somebody and they're like, oh, they assume the things that they're doing for their workouts.
0: And, I mean, obviously, uh, the Kardashians, they could they could literally have a $10 million a month only fans of just them working out, not even have anything sexual, just literally footage <laughs> of them working out. It could be a $10 million a month only fans. But I just want to kind of like, I you know, I, I've said Nick Barr's name a few times, Marcus Philly's name. Um, I've really enjoyed getting into, again, now that I've kind of – I have time now to get back into fitness – watching other people's documentary like documenting their process and that's kind of where the respect the tempo thing came in and then we're going to do a series here where i'm going to do it on this whole like a year of training to go to the marathon and, and, that's and awesome. doing it. and so i'm excited to do that but that's really what i think is so cool is like now people could come and be like oh they won't make that mistake like oh chloe probably just runs like if there's someone, if someone's documenting it, if there are contents out there, they could be like, oh shit, Derek's right. Like she totally fucking lists weights.
1: Right. Yeah, no, so I actually, I would love to have Marcus on because we, so we do different Sunday focuses at the gym. So like we just got done one that was like endurance based. Like we didn't do a single thing less than about 45, 50 minutes. Um, And now we're doing more of that like aerobic bodybuilder. And it's interesting because I know what people are going to think the minute they start this, which is like, Oh, this is going to be annoying. Like how do these two things go together? But it provides a whole different level of challenge when you're doing sets of dumbbell bench or dumbbell press or squats at tempo, and then asked to do you know, something more in the aerobic power category, being able to kind of turn that switch on and off is a challenge like no other.
0: It is. It is. I mean, um, one thing that's not, other, like, I'm not a runner. And one thing I'm not accustomed to is, like, running in the cold. Like, I'm such a little, put. like, I am not, <laughs> I am not there yet. So, when it's, real, it's real, you know, it's cold now. It's getting colder in the morning in Charlotte. So, like, the other day it was, like, 38. I was like, uh-uh, Oof. homie, that is not happening. So, I just, you know, I'm doing, you know, uh echo bike intervals or rowing it. You know, I love, like, I love the concept two bike mix with the the skier. Like, I like that lower body, upper body type, a little bit more back and forth. And just putting together some intervals for 25 minutes and then popping off and doing an hour of tempo training going back to it you're right like your brain has to adjust um and one thing i've never done before like fart licks and tempo running like mm-hmm. you know like going ahead and actually creating like okay uh like one of my workouts this week is the ASO 800 so people aren't familiar if you've never ran a marathon like yours truly and you want to have a you know predict kind of what you do go out and run 10 intervals 800 meters one-to-one work-to-rest ratio and so let's say you you on average you maintained a three minute and two second 800 meter isn't that, that what jason would, Kalipa averaged yeah right right that's literally where i get that's where i got i chris hinshaw um had talked about it and i had heard that i'd heard about that workout before i'd never done it in my life Ugh. but now i have a reason to do it so i'm like okay so i'm, like, I'm gonna text jason and be like 302 huh let's see how this goes homie um he's a big boy to be doing 302 Yo, for real yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that would be, that would be a three hour and uh two minute or three hour and 20 minute marathon is what that maybe that would have come out to.
1: Yeah. Like do you that. have a goal? No, I
0: don't because, you know, I'm doing this, you know, mainly it was in more memory of, um, my friend that passed away and us going to Chicago and doing this whole thing. Um, it, it's also just a challenge. It's something that I don't want to do. So I kind of feel like I'm, you know, he's helping me through that. Um, but also it just, I think it's just me experimenting with fitness right now and just having fun with it. I am enjoying running. I really am. Like, when it's nice weather, like, I went up to the mountains a couple weekends ago. My girlfriend's have a, uh, parents have a place there. Bro, I went running, I think it had seven miles interval based throughout the mountains. I mean, like, when I was, we're like, man, I'm going downhill. Oh, that's not bad. Is this ever going to level out? And I'm going, cause all I'm thinking in my head is I'm going to have to take this back uphill. Like oh, how wow. long is this thing? It's a three mile downhill. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. I need to turn this shit back around now.
1: Do you find that, that you enjoy, uh, running through like trails a bit more than just like road running? I have not done it. See, I haven't stepped
0: there. So my girlfriend and her family is our enduro. She's my girlfriend's training for a 35 mile trail ultra brace ultra oh, right now And she just went and competed. She did a nighttime half. I'm like, what's that? She's like, you have to wear like headlamps and chest lamps and you run through the trails at night. I'm like, are you guys high? What are you talking about? And I went out there and on the trail, you could see them on the distance. It looks like the Blair Witch Project, all these like, you know, flashlights just kind of bouncing around as people are running through the woods. And and she absolutely killed it. But I was like, real runners. I'm not a real runner. I'm playing in their world. Yeah. Oh my God. They are. I mean, they're some dedicated psychos.
1: Oh, I was actually just going to bring that up. If you look at the events that are available for runners, like if you start getting into the ultra realm, you just, it's like the land of the psychopaths. Like there is an event. I I don't remember the exact logistics, but it's something like for 24 hours, you run four miles every hour. And it's actually, I think they they keep going until you quit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's like like you keep going until there's one left.
0: Yeah, it's like four four twenty four. It's like every yeah every four hours run four miles for twenty four hours, like the four four twenty four something, something like that.
1: that. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous.
0: David Goggins came. Up. I just watched something on Netflix too, where there was this. It's out in the desert, and you run. It's like a hundred some miles on the desert. And the, the here's the thing: all the runners go out. Then behind them are a guy, two guys walking these camels. If the camels pass you, of course, at any are. point because. Right. If the camels <laughs> pass you on the race because you have to stop and sleep. I mean, it takes I mean, it takes them days and days to do this. And yep. the average is like six days or something. You you're out. That's the only rule.
1: Camels can't pass you.
0: And i was just like, what?
1: know oh what? What a terrible moment as an athlete. <laughs> like, like this is you're out. You're you're just like you're on the side of the road. You feel like shit. And there's this fat, this fat
0: camel. Camel just going past you, and you're just like, motherfucker! I just ran for four days
1: straight. Uh. But no,
0: like I mean, like in the extreme weathers. um, like in my girl, she did the Minneapolis marathon. She's running negative thirteen degree weather, training for that. That's gross. I was like, "Are you people insane?" Like when I see people wearing Ranger panties, like the runners, like whenever, whenever, like you, and me, I guarantee you, you can relate this. We're up early, we're driving to our gym to open up for class, and we pass a runner. Yeah, and this is definitely it's colder weather, and they've got the Ranger panty, the short shorts, and they're like out there. I'm like, "Motherfucker, I know you're cold.
1: I know you're freezing.
0: <laughs> I'm freezing. I'm warm and dressed in hoodies, and I got Lululemon sweatpants on, and I'm freezing right now. What is wrong with you?" But listen, they're at, you know, they are competing and training for something as well. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so it's cool just to play in their world and just learn things. I feel like a student back when I first found crawl, when I was first learning of strength and conditioning, even back in high school, I found my first Mark Ripito book and Mel Siff's super training. And I was just downloading information and I just like, you know, that's a lie. I didn't download information back then. I read information back then, um, So I'm really enjoying the learning process. It's been a lot
1: of fun. That's phenomenal. What are some of the challenges that you faced as a a 200 pound, you know, male that has some upper body muscle to you? Yeah. Um it's, it's,
0: you know, a lot of it. So, you know, I, I'm always fully disclosure. I share with people like, uh, I'm on test. I'm on TRT. I am on uh growth hormone peptides. I've got, I did, a, I had my doctor come on the podcast and we talked about my regimen and all that kind of stuff. I get Dexa scans every six to eight weeks. I have a registered dietitian. I pay, I'm working, could be working with like up to like two to three different running coaches. Um, I'm very much in the point of my life where I'm, I'm willing to spend money on the longevity and quality of my life. And I love fitness so much. You take one day of working out away from me. I'm about a 30% more of a dickhead than I probably <laughs> am in any, in any typical. I day. relate to
1: you so heavily. in that. <laughs> yeah. So
0: sometimes like, man, I saw a video you posted. You must, were you angry or did you just not get a workout in that day? I'm like, maybe it was both. Yeah. But, uh, so, my biggest challenge has been like that, like taking care of myself. Because for years, owning the gym and growing my businesses, I was, um, fitness was just hygiene for me. I was like taking a shower. Some days you would come home, you're like, I don't want to take a shower. Be like, but I need to, or I'll be disgusting. My wife's not going to let me in the bed, right? That kind of thing. That was fitness for me for a while. So, it's like giving myself permission out, like it was in the beginning. I was like, I can't go work out for 90 minutes that's insane. But I'm like, no, you, you can't like you, you actually don't have anything you need to do right now. Like getting, letting go of that and allowing myself to do that was a big mental. How hard was that for you? Me. Very hard. I'm, I'm super strict in my, like I'm up every day, save four 30 in the morning. I'm doing that. Like I, 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 I try to maximize every minute of my day. I, I record 12 podcasts a month and nine of them are recorded in a car after driving my daughter from home school, I monologue in the car and, um, mm. I maximize every minute. So to think I could do that was so tough in the beginning.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but now it's my favorite part of the day. I am so like, I love just walking to the gym and all the coaches and the owners tease me They're like, all right, Stu's going to be here for about four hours. <laughs> and, um, it just, I, I just love this. I love not having to rush it because you can, I know you can relate to this as I probably did. I rushed workouts. For every every day, my workout was rushed. If I didn't get to take a class workout, I was generally doing in between meetings and fitness was just something I had to do. And I wasn't even able to do it at the pace I wanted to. I was just rushed, get it in and get it out. I wasn't able to like bathe in it, like enjoy it, sip on it. I was taking a shot of it. Um, And so now I'm just kind of sipping.
1: Yeah. I'm in that transition process now myself. Like I'm, I'm far from retired, uh, from, from the position that you're in, but, uh, the business is pretty turnkey at this point and I'm kind of getting into different ventures, which has been great, but it's, it's been really hard just to like calm down and let myself be okay with not having anything to do and not remaining busy every incremental, you know, part of the day. So.
0: Yeah. But say that. And then, um, and then just, again, I think it's just having to, where, where do I, where do I go to, to learn about this whole biomechanics of running? pose method um man i the first time i saw myself i went and got a running evaluation done they put a bunch of camera angles on me ran me at 100 they had recorded me 120 frames per second so they could really slow me down the amount of overstriding i did in my run was just disgusting i'm like oh no wonder my left leg has
1: shin splints right? i'm this sure that's like watching sense. yourself on camera for the first time time it is and <laughs> i was just
0: like this is so cool but like it's kind of like our clients probably face or like, you know my former clients and yours currently like there's so much information on the internet. Who do I, who do I listen to for good running coaching advice? You know, where do I go for that? I've got to like, kind of like filter it out and I got to talk to the people who are in the know that I trust. And, um, but that part of the journey has been it too. It's just, you know, um, the research, the R and D that goes into doing something you've never done before.
1: Yeah. How hard was it to make some of the smaller changes to your running mechanics?
0: Um, it wasn't too bad. I went and got like, it's actually right here. I'm charging it. Um. Like, uh, I went and got a guy, got rid of my Apple watch. I went and got a Garmin and I got this little biometrics pot. it goes right on the back of my shorts nice. and then it gives me my cadence. So you increase your cadence and I'm just essentially shortening my stride is what's happening. Right. So that would, that was actually a quick fix. I mean, that literally took my shin splints from a eight out of 10 in pain down to a zero. Was it was shortening your stride? Shortening. Yeah. Just a much shorter, quicker turnover of my foot. What shoes do you, do you wear? So forever you're gonna you're gonna love this. So I probably I own an obnoxious amount of noble high tops. It's I have a shopping addiction there, and um, <laughs> I was like, eh, I'm gonna be the guy that because for if you're I do a lot of sled pushing work. Yeah, high tops are perfect for that. I love it for that.
1: Yeah, heels but, not coming
0: out. Heels not coming out, but it's not exactly the shoe you want to be wearing when you're running. You know, uh, six miles in a workout. So uh, I went ahead and one of the owner or one of the guys that goes to my gym, he owns the Charlotte Running uh, Company store, which is a great running store. And he put me on a treadmill, put me in a bunch of different shoes. So now I've got a, um, a pair of Saucony endorphin speeds, and I've never had a running shoe. So I felt like I felt like I was stepping on like I was on stilts made out of like pillows, right? Like I'm, it's you know, so, so unstable compared to. I mean, you and me come from the same. We did innovates,
1: right? And then, oh you know, my the gosh, Anno, yeah. The bright blue kind of, innovates.
0: Yeah, we we came from the zero, the minimal drop shoes. Like that's what I was used to, um, and even the Nobles. Like, so now having a running shoe has been uh, has been unique. But it feel, oh my god, what a difference in running though. Like if I, everything feels. So much better. Like I, I don't like running without a running shoe now.
1: Yeah, talk about conflicting information uh, about shoes. Like this is something I actually have to deal with on a regular basis because there's this huge push with the Foot Collective and whatnot to like work on spreading the toes and having a wider toe box and working more minimalist. Yeah. Look, like, look, I'm like, look, all of that is good and great, right? In doses. It doesn't Correct. mean that you should put on your Vibrams and go run 10 miles for the first time.
0: I agree. So I bought a pair of zeros, XERO shoes or whatever. Yep. Um so I bought a pair of those and I was like, okay, I like I'm going to mess around. I'll I'll wear these around the house and mess up, but I'm not running in them. Like that's I'm definitely not going to run in these things. Like like I not especially where I'm at now with my mileage. I'm there's not a chance I'm going to run in these. Um but it was interesting even the guy who owns the the Charlotte running store, he's made he he like he was great he had both sides of it like he's like if you're in the minimalist here's what i recommend if you're not in the minimalist here's what i recommend like it's it's not one or the it's not if or right right um or either then it's uh you know you just have to really ramp up like slow slow build your miles up to
1: go that kind of distance and then you got to have a
0: certain type of technique
1: yeah and really I, do and maybe there's there's places where you can utilize the minimalist approach as a way to, to maybe develop a little bit more stability and structure and strengthen the feet and ankles.
0: I I've thought So I'd love your thoughts on this. I've thought so much, uh, about, um, and we got, I was able to push back the other ones. We got some time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Been like six, seven minutes or so, but like, I don't use gymnastic scripts or chalk anymore. I haven't for years. And I always looked at that as like, you know, that's my version of going minimalist on the pull-up bar. And, you know, when I actually learned to put the pull-up bar across the heel of my palm, I no longer ripped. Yep. Now, when it slips to here, and if I were to kip with speed and sweat and soft skin, that's a thing, but... When I keep it there and I've like I've got this really strong false grip now, like, I mean, the amount of minutes I would accumulate grabbing those lacrosse balls, putting my elbow into this tightest flexion point or this my wrist in the flexion and hanging from a pull up bar to strengthen that. And now, you know, it makes strict bar muscle ups and all kinds of things. It just, you know, I wanted to I wanted to be like bar stars, but without having to go to jail right? I wanted yeah. to be like, I wanted to be prison ripped, like those calisthenic guys in jail, in prison, but without having to do the time. Yeah. Um, the,
1: the example we always give when it comes to grip is we always, we always, uh, I agree with you. Like we always talk about getting the bar into the second knuckle. And the reason for that is that it just allows for greater accessibility of the larger muscles of the lats. Like it's a, a really thousand. hard to get your lats turned on if you're dangling from your fingertips, which is why you also wouldn't deadlift with the bar at the first knuckle.
0: You're 100 percent right. I always had a hard time getting clients to understand that. But what I would just say, I'd be like, okay, real quick, uh, your pull up, right, or that muscle up, are you, are you missing it by just a few inches? They're like, yeah, I'm just like I'm just a few inches away. I'm like, cool. There's about a few inches away from so <laughs> putting the bar here and you where you have it right now. Yeah. So the difference between you pulling here versus here is a significant difference. Just like if I had to boil it down for you in in layman's speak, that's the main benefit.
1: Well, look, and at the end of the day, it's a prerequisite, right? Like it's harder to hold the bar for sustained periods of time at the second knuckle. But in order to be able to do strict pull-ups correctly, in order to be able to do any sort of kipping effectively and safely for that matter, like having the bar in that second knuckle is huge. Yeah, no,
0: I agree one hundred percent. And it also, yeah, you're right. Like kipping is great. It was, I, I'm not against kipping. I do most things strict until I can't go strict anymore, and then I do what I call like a minimal kip, like just a few baseline rules. The heel uh, on my backswing is not allowed to go further than my glute. It literally has to stop right there at the edge of my glute. It doesn't allow it to track back anymore. There's not allowed to be any um, flexion of the knee. The knees have to be fully in extension, locked out um and the uh you got to just have that nice tight position throughout the whole thing and if i can't maintain it i i, I stop kipping right yeah. like that's
1: yeah and there's look it. there's an important difference between kipping utilizing momentum and kipping utilizing tension correct. And Such I think a great statement. that's yeah. a huge differentiator. And I think the more, you know, the points you made more or less allude to that, like the straight legs, not allowing the feet to go behind the glutes. It's like, you're far less likely to get hurt and reap the rewards of doing kipping in the first place. If you are able to maintain tension through the whole movement.
0: Yeah. Look, just look at any gymnast on the rings and show me the bend in their knees doesn't, doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm just, I'm just going to try to emulate them because not because they're the best in the world at it, which they are, but because they've obviously figured out this is the most effective position to generate power from. So yep. like that, then why do we, then why, then why is every, you know, i watch watching kids do butterfly pull-ups with this bent knee position. I'm just like, I, I, I get it. It allows you to check the box that you're a CrossFitter can do butterfly pull-ups. I get it, man. I know you want it. I was there too, but So someday you're going to zoom out and realize it's a little silly and there's a tighter, better way to do this. For
1: sure. Time and a place. Time and a place. Well, hey, Stu, thanks so much for jumping on. I would love to do this again sometime with you. Absolutely, Um, dude. Yeah, this was fun. So tell everybody uh, where they could learn more about you.
0: Yeah, the more interesting stuff probably for your audience is going to be uh, the training, the fitness stuff that just um, at respect the tempo Instagram is really the only place we'll be kicking off the YouTube channel here shortly where I'm going to be documenting how I'm using my tempo training. And then on there, on that to tempo page, there's just blog post. I think of it, I don't think of it as Instagram. I literally think of it as a blog platform where I literally just write long format blogs about the training and the whys and the hows and, and different thoughts and theses I have about it. So if you're into that kind of stuff, that's what I'd highly recommend. Go check out. Um, and dude, this is awesome. I'm so glad. I really appreciate it. I was really excited when you reached out, man. I'm really glad we got a chance to do this. Yeah,
1: man. This was a blast. Thank you again for jumping on the podcast today. I just want to take a quick second to remind you that we post a lot of free and helpful content on our social media pages. You can find us at Hard Bad Athletics on Instagram and Facebook and visit our website at www.hardbadathletics.com to learn more about what we do at our facility. Let's keep raising the standard together.